Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Hear now a word from our Lord. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? unless you go with us. In this way, we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, show me your glory, I pray, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, see, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning. Let us pray. God, be the love to search and keep me. God, be the prayer to move my voice. God, be the strength to now uphold me. Oh, Christ, surround me. Amen. This morning, I'm going to share with you two stories. One is modern day, and one is ancient. In 1927, a Jewish girl named Jean was born in the Bronx in New York City. She contracted polio at a young age and spent a considerable amount of time in and out of the hospital. There were twin sister nurses who cared for Jean during those years. They developed a relationship. The nurses inspired Jean and convinced Jean's mother to allow her to attend a high school for gifted young women. Today's story from the Bible features Moses. Most of us are aware of the beginning of Moses' story. He was born in a time when the Egyptian empire was ordering Hebrew babies to be killed. His mother, Jacobed, who was perhaps inspired by the cleverness and bravery of the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua, 
devised a plan to rescue her son from death. She, Moses' sister Miriam, and Pharaoh's daughter saved the life of Moses. Jean had a mentor named Helen who encouraged her to pursue pre-medical studies in college. Jean said she wanted to find work that would help people and that would be interesting. She went on to receive a medical degree in 1952 from Columbia University. She was one of 10 women in her class of 100. Jean started a private practice as a psychiatrist in New York. Moses received a type of education one day when he watched his own people engage in hard labor as slaves. Perhaps he'd noticed this activity all of his life, but on this particular day, he really saw them. When he bore witness to an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man, Moses killed the oppressor. The next day, Moses saw two Hebrew men fighting. Moses engaged them in conversation and realized that everyone knew about his act of relational violence. He fled to Midian. Jean was gifted at listening to her patients. As they told Jean about their life experiences, Jean began to notice connections between their mental and emotional growth and their relationships. Her insights contradicted the prevailing theory of human development. It was believed that children must emotionally and mentally separate from their parents in order to fulfill their own needs and grow. The marker for maturity was self-reliance and individuality. Jean began to push back on current assumptions. She came to believe that an inner sense of connection to others was the central organizing feature of women's development. When Jean published her first book, it was considered a breakthrough discovery. Moses was gifted too. His passion and his desire for justice for others was evident in the event that brought him to Midian, as well as what happened when he arrived there. Moses came to the defense of seven sisters when some shepherds drove them away from a well when they tried to water their sheep. One of the sisters, Zipporah, became his wife. Moses joined the family business and began working as a shepherd. One day, Moses made his own breakthrough discovery. He saw a bush that was burning, but not consumed. God called Moses by name. God told Moses his own name and asked Moses to partner with him for the sake of the people who are crying out to be rescued from oppression. In 1973, Jean closed her private practice and moved with her family to teach at Boston University. Jean began to question some of the methods of psychological research. One practice was particularly troublesome. Women and people from historically marginalized communities were left out of research studies because it was said they skewed the data. In 1977, Jean and three colleagues, Judith, Janet, and Irene, began to meet after hours in each other's homes and in their living rooms and around kitchen tables. It was called the Monday Night Group. They reflected on the experiences of their female patients. Their stories did not fit with the idea that separation and individuality was only or even the best way to describe how humans grow and develop in society. 
After accepting God's call to be a prophet, Moses left Midian and returned to Egypt to free the Israelite people from oppression. Moses, in partnership with God and his siblings, Miriam and Aaron, led the people out of Egypt and into the wilderness. There, God provided food and water for the people. God invited Moses and the people to be in relationship with him. They agreed. God told them there were 10 relationship rules that would guide them in how to best relate with God and best relate with each other. Jean and her colleagues' efforts sparked what is called the relational revolution in the field of psychology. Their research showed that human development involved both individuality and relationality. Growing as an individual is only part of the equation. Human development also requires what the Monday night group called growth-fostering relationships. Moses heard another request from God in the wilderness. Let them make me a holy place, a sanctuary, so that I may dwell in the midst of them. Maybe this could be described as a relational revolution in the family of God. The tabernacle was a sacred place where God's presence could be in relationship with the people. The detailed instructions for building God's tabernacle and the vivid descriptions of the tabernacle comprise most of the remaining chapters in the book of Exodus. Tucked in the middle of the sanctuary story is another Moses story. The pattern of this story is connection, disconnection, and reconnection. You probably remember the connection part. God gave Moses a hard copy of the 10 relationship rules. Two tablets of the covenant law, tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. Wow. It's followed by a disconnection story, the golden calf. That situation violated the relationship rules and caused a lot of mad and hurt feelings for everyone. God was angry, Moses was angry, Aaron was scared. The people felt the consequences of death and a plague. Jean's initial research suggested that disconnection in relationships was the source of psychological problems. Pain from the post-golden calf events must have been present in Moses' body when he began to work through the reconnection process with God. Here's how I hear uh, their interaction. Moses, God, hey, um, I know we're supposed to, I'm supposed to lead these people, but I'm a little unclear as to who you are sending with us. Is it you or an angel? You've told me I'm special. You've told me that you know me well. So even though things have been a little dicey, I still want to be in relationship with you. So, um, well, if this is still the case, can you please teach me your ways? I want to know you better. I need some reassurance about our closeness. God, of course you're special. I will go with you. I will give you comfort and rest. Moses, I feel so anxious. If you don't go with us, then don't make us lead from here. I can't imagine going without you. It is you that make me special. It is you that make these people, your people, special. Our relationship is everything to me and the people. Please go with us. God, I'll do what you're asking. You are special, Moses. Moses, breathing a sigh of relief, would you, please, cause me to see your glory? 
It would help me to feel reconnected. God, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. I will proclaim my name. It sounds like, feels like, your very own breath. Yeah. I share my gracious, my grace and nurturing compassion with whomever I want, and right now that is you. Now because you are special, I need to set a boundary. You can't experience all of me at once, it's just not a thing for humans. Look, here's a place, with me. I'm going to place you in a position for this experience, on this rock. When my glory passes by, I'll also provide loving protection for you. You'll experience just a foretaste of my glory. Do you all wonder about Moses' reaction? Like, how did that feel? I imagine God's glory, as the Hebrew word kavod suggests, is something weighty and honorable. The context of this story taking place on a mountain creates um, an idea of expansive grandness that fills the sky. When I go on a walk, I always look up at the sky and wonder about God's glory. I was curious about what others thought about this concept, so I asked some of my people, the Monday Study Bible Group, what they thought. The three most common answers to my question were light, love, and overwhelming. The Hebrew word, verb, Avar is used multiple times to describe the movement of God's goodness and God's glory in today's passage. Most translations say pass by or pass before. Often Avar is translated as crossing over. The Israelites crossed over the Red Sea to the, into the wilderness. The Israelites crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. This nuance in translation led me to imagine the grandness of God's glory crossing over into the smallness of a human heart, creating an overwhelming feeling of light and love, connection at its best. If only those moments could last. As a spoiler alert, Moses is going to ask the same question about whether or not God will go with him and the people in the next chapter, the pattern repeats, connection, disconnection, and reconnection. Recent developments in neuroscience suggest that the growth-fostering relationships that Jean and her colleagues studied, relationships where people are made to feel special, are not always reliable. This means that two people who have a good relationship are not always connected or happy with each other. Think about a relationship with a close friend, a partner, or a child. It's impossible to be connected all of the time, physically, mentally, or emotionally. Disconnection is part of what it means to be in relationship. Disconnection happens when we feel distracted, frustrated, tired, irritated, all valid feelings of us as finite human beings. Disconnection results from misunderstandings. Disconnection occurs when neurotypical individuals unknowingly discount the lived experience of autistic or others who are neurodiverse. 
Disconnection can occur in the relation, when, when someone in the relationship experiences symptoms of mental illness. Disconnection could be a form of self-care. Disconnection is present in death and grief. Disconnection occurs when people interpret the meaning of sacred scriptures differently. Disconnection is often caused by sin and layers of brokenness. Disconnection can be so very hard. Continued relationship research has shown that periods of disconnection are important or where important learnings can occur within growth fostering relationships. The experience of some disconnection has the potential to help us learn ways to reconnect in relationships. Indeed, the optimal relationships are the one that can effectively move between connection, disconnection, and reconnection. There are actions that can help us cross over from disconnection to reconnection. When disconnection is the result of sin, repentance and forgiveness are appropriate steps. Today's passage offers additional reconnection examples. It took courage and vulnerability for Moses to circle back with God. God met Moses where he was. God listened to Moses. God responded with compassion. In Hebrew, that root for compassion is rechem. It's the same root for a womb. God offered his womb love. The reconnection experienced helped Moses to feel seen and known, a fundamental human need. When we ourselves have this need met by humans or by God, we in turn can do the same for others. Throughout this passage, Moses' concern for others was evident. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? You and I must listen for those who are crying out to be rescued. May we respond with the same womb love and empathy. Jean Baker Miller's work created a much-needed relational revolution in the field of psychology. Now, it is interesting to note that our founder, John Wesley, somehow instinctively knew this as evidenced by his dual emphasis on both personal holiness and social holiness in the Methodist movement. Reconnection is not only where the growth is, it's where the hope resides too. The gospel story, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus follows the same pattern, connection, disconnection, and reconnection. Perhaps we could think of Jesus as the great reconnector, God incarnate on this earth as a model for growth-fostering relationships. Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus forgives us. Jesus sees us. Jesus listens to us. Jesus knows us by name. There is good news in the glory of God that crosses over into a single human heart that crosses over and moves between human hearts, all for the sake of reconnection and transformation. Individuals and relationships, ourselves and all the people. Glory be to God. 
Amen.